Welcome back to Daily DVR. My name is Axel. I've got Heath Solo with me today. And ladies and gentlemen, it's the dawn of a new era. That's right. It's Daily DVR 2.0, baby. Coming on strong. Today is going to start me podcasting hopefully every day during the week. Getting back to the Daily DVR name, um, I'm going to be bringing in so many guests. We're going to be getting back to covering different shows, um, movies, interviews. I'm just going to try to get on this mic every day, hit record, and uh, give the people what they want. And, uh, you know, what they want is Heath Snowlow. That's why he's here with me today. Before I even do the regular intro, let's say hi to Heath. How you doing, Bartner? I am doing fantastic. I'm excited about this announcement, the rebirth, Daily DVR 2.0, the filmless HK1K, whatever we're going to call it. I'm through the moon or whatever. The the killing moon. Oh, no. The cow jumped over it. But yeah, I'm excited, baby. Yeah. It's going to be very fun. Um, Of course, you can check us out at dvrpodcast.com you can also become a patron like so many of our amazing patrons whether it's joe manny bill derek heath axel matt so many people bobby tay so many people aaron gina jenny brett ando we love them all head on over to patreon.com slash dvr become a patron Get these podcasts early and ad-free. And uh, yeah, we love all the patrons. We hope that more join us. But today, whoa, today is the start of Daily DVR 2.0 and also the start of the film list something.0 HK1K, <laughs> baby. That's right. Throughout this time, I said to Heath, I was like, Heath, I'm going to start up doing this every day. Come on, of course come on with me the first day, come on any day you want to come on, but also what do you think we should talk about? And immediately he was like, well, we got to get back to the film list. So I am looking at a huge list. He's going to give us an intro and talk about it, but this is going to be something we're going, going to go to at any time. It could be just me. It could be me and Gina, me and Ando, who knows, maybe DJ Tim Hines will come back. Whoa! Podcast with DJ Tim Hines on like 900 to 820 or some shit, you know, but it's just <laughs> a, a way- lot. Of, that's a lot of movies. I know. I, I realized I was like, that's like 80 movies in one Maybe. podcast. Maybe not do Maybe. it. Maybe if he's on meth now, he could do it. Who knows? Um, anyway, Walter White, speaking of Walter White, we talk about so much TV. It's a good way to talk about film. Um, so I'm excited about it. Solo, why don't you give us the intro? This is your top thousand films, and it's just an yes. amazing list. Let's hear it from you, baby. All right, we're just gonna, you know, instead of an intro set, we're just gonna we're just gonna list them all off, and that's all you're gonna hit. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, yeah, no, back in the we were podcasting in the lost days. Uh, Donald was a big influencer, and I we like to do lists of top this and top that. So I started the film list and basically counting down my favorite films, but we also did round tables of shows, talked about individual movies, had so many guests on through the years. And, uh, and then of course the talk shoe went down, but Ando 
saved a lot of the film list. Then on Daily DVR, I was about a couple of years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to count down my top 500 favorite films. And so I started that. But everything I've done, every countdown of my favorite films is obsolete. This is the rebirth, the new, the brand new top 1000 that's going to be etched in stone uh, with new twists. So while I was doing the top 500 a few years ago, I realized when you got only 500 slots, you start to put films in because you're like, oh, this is one of my favorites. I've got to make it. But then you realize 500 is not enough. Like, for example, I put Aquaman <laughs> in the top 500. Well, you know what? Aquaman isn't in my top 500. It's in my top 1,000. Oh. But it just didn't, it didn't feel right to be at 491. It should be more like 902. You know, so I, I, I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this? I've tried to do this for so many years. And we were... I was successful, I believe, at counting the top 200 back in the day in the old film list. Then I was trying the top 500. And, and, and I'm just like, you know what? I can't do this myself. Because a lot of it is what I would do is play a trailer, talk about it, be like, I love this film. I love this film. This is great. And I was like, but not everyone's going to like these films. So I was like, why don't I get other perspectives? And why do I have to be on the film list all the time? So what we're going to do is I am going to, I have a list. I put the first on our notes, 1,950 films right now. I'm going to be releasing them every so often as I finalize them. But like, we're going to do a pod today, talk about some films, but then at any time, any of our Patreons or Axel or anyone in our community can jump on and talk about the list. We will go in order where we leave off today. The next pod will resume and it could be like you and Gina talking about five of my films, bashing the film, saying this film sucks. Why is this on his list? But that's okay. That's what I want to hear. I, I want more perspective that's on my list. Solo. That's kind of unlikely. Well, You're probably gonna love uh, I don't know. There's some, there's going to be some shockers that are terrible films that I love. Cause these are my favorite films, not the best films right. of yep. all time. So I decided with the, the relaunch of Daily DVR and, and our passion for film, we, like you said before, we talk more about television. Yeah. Uh, and, th and that's been dominating because television's been so good. And, and I want to get back, you know, to film talk and make sure we get some film talk in there. So this is the reboot. Uh, and uh, I'm excited to start the countdown with you. We're going to keep some old favorites like we'll talk about any awards like the razzies the saturns the axel foley award whatever maybe throw in a random person who has a funny credit like just a little fun we could make um, up an award we could say i give this film the award for this and then we exactly could make it up. yeah i mean there's so much we can do axel and that's why we're here <laughs> that's why we're here baby to fucking talk a lot we're ready we're ready. All right, man. I'm excited because, like you said, we talk a lot about TV, and I love film, man. Um, to me, you know, it's just the difference between the distribution. You watch something on a little box or you go into a theater. 
you end up watching those things in the theater on the little box anyway. But the kind of nature of film being one and done, mostly, I mean, now we do live in a a world of endless IP, but it was kind of always that way, right? Like when you look back and when you look at the, these lists of your films solo, how many mm-hmm. of them are based on a, a a comic or a book, just a book, right? So many right. of them, everything in the end becomes kind of IP, but film today is in a little bit of a funk and it has been for the past, you know, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years or so. I think that we see the domination of the comic book films, the big special effects, um, these movies that are like two and a half, three hours long, and they just throw all these crazy plots into it to make you, I don't know, buy more popcorn the longer you sit there. they may, I guess they figured they make more money if you sit there and buy more food and go out and get another Coke than if they play that same movie again, because they've already captured you, right? Like you're already in the theater so they can push other shit at you. Um, But movies are a great thing no matter what. Sometimes, you know, it's like Tarantino had an interview recently where he said, you know, right now it's kind of like the 80s where, yeah, there were some great films, but there was also what we generally remember is a lot of big commercial hits, right? And then when we think about the 90s, we think about Tarantino, all these crazy, I mean, I could the the list is endless. Soderbergh, Robert Rodriguez, Kevin Smith, the the birth of the indie film. Yes, indie films, so many writers and directors and actors and actresses that were unique and weird and artistic and strange. And we'll have that again, you know? So I think that we just have to have faith in the film and faith in the art form. And uh, I don't know, let, let's jump in, Solo, because I think this this has a great start with one of the greatest directors of all time. And, um, you know, a story that I thought, I, I really like this story. The film we'll talk about. Why don't you intro right. it, baby? Number 1,000. 1000 is a film that came out in 2019. It was released uh, a little bit in theaters and then really came on to Netflix around Thanksgiving of that year. Uh, The Irishman, directed by Martin Scorsese, an illustration of Frank Sharon's life from World War II veteran to hitman for the Buffalo. Buffet Buffalino crime family. (laughs) I got confused. I'm like, Buffalino. Felino crime family and his alleged assassination of his close friend, Jimmy Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa. Uh, directed by Marty Scorsese, uh, writer, Steve Zalian and Charles Brandt stars, oh, Robert man. De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, Ray Romano, Bobby Cannavale. We even got uh Jonathan Morris who plays assisted living priest. Yeah. In this film. Yep. Harvey uh, Keitel. You know, Yep, the uh, Dominic Lombardozzi from The Wire. Mm-hmm. Gary Basarba, great character actor. So I figured this was the perfect film to kick off the thousand because this got mixed reviews. And of course, everyone complained, oh, I got to sit in a chair for four hours to watch this. I'm like, you binge TV shows from longer than that. But it was this big uproar that it was so long. And 
I was great to see De Niro, Pesci, Pacino in a film together, Scorsese directing it. I enjoyed this film. Yeah, it has some flaws. They tried some CGI, making them look younger that maybe mm-hmm. didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I felt this film, yeah, I felt this film was fitting and it had the Scorsese feel. I just love watching these guys work. Now, whether Al Pacino is a good Jimmy Hoffa versus Jack Nicholson, or maybe you don't like any of them as Jimmy Hoffa. Um, but, you know, the big mystery of Jimmy Hoffa was murdered and buried under what? The Meadowlands, the football stadium. Is that the big? Uh, well, the big, yeah. Back you know? in the day, actually, the rumor was that he was buried behind the opponent's um end zone which were where, right. which was yeah. where my seats were oh so we used to always joke about it that we that we were sitting on Jimmy Hoffa watching the Jets play because our, we were uh what was I third or fourth row section 118 or 117 uh the old giant stadium which doesn't exist anymore I don't know. I, I've never sat yeah, in your seats. That's the story. <laughs> oh, is that it? Yeah, okay. That's the story. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were going to be like, you witnessed it. No, no, nothing, it, you know? nothing. Jimmy Hoffa was oh. supposed to be buried. I, I did see um, Dan Marino pull the um, fake snap. Uh, oh. That, uh, no, the fake spike, I should say. Fake that, spike. Yeah. yeah, fake spike. That was crazy, man. I saw, of course, Dennis Bird get paralyzed. Hmm. Barry Sanders oh. run for touchdowns. Jerry Rice, so many great. The film things. list <laughs> around the couch. Around we're the not film around list. the couch. We're doing the film list. We're Solo, not football. Let's I football. really loved this movie, The Irishman. I really do. And one of the things I want to do in talking about these movies is, I think a lot of times I tend to be a little bit technical. I'm going to go with the feeling here. the The initial, okay. my initial feeling. Because like you said, these are your favorite movies. So I'm looking through it through an eye of love for film. And though this isn't The Flash, this isn't Goodfellas, right? No, uh, this isn't a, Raging Bull. This is old. This is a very, this is an elderly well, man. You're counting down my top 25 <laughs> films, I think. Right now. But, you know, this is an elderly <laughs> man who is not at the top of his game. Um it's it's a well it's a very well directed film it's really an, an amazingly produced film right everybody buys into it the sets the costumes everything looks great the de-aging is always going to be a part of it and i think it was a huge mistake and yeah. if they had cast a younger actor in the and yet we've talked about this so many times before. I think that this would. I really think that's the downfall. It, and the only real negative I can say about this film is the de aging, because other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, yes, it took about three days to watch it. It's three hours <laughs> and twenty nine minutes long. Um, and it is all of those three hours and 29 minutes, right? Like you, you, you have to sink into this. Um, and I, oh, I, I think it's funny. We should start off with this movie because in many ways, I think this should have been a series. 
if this was like three or four episodes I would have that came out week to week, I think it would have had a much bigger impact in the kind of zeitgeist. I think people would have been talking right. about it and such. But as it is, that's not what it is. It's a three hour and 29 minute movie. Uh, and I just loved it. I thought all the performances were great, especially Ray Romano. I fucking loved Ray Romano in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, just seeing De Niro and Pacino again together on the screen. And I think they have more screen time in this. Well, I don't know. At this point, they have done all these like B movies together, right? Like, yeah, like Righteous Kill. Yes, and- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this that is- I thought was going to be the greatest movie of all I know. ever. I and know. It, you know, um, it was such a big deal that they're finally to share the screen, you know, Um but uh, they they had a lot of good scenes together, right? Like that they were mm-hmm. able to really play off each other. And you really believed the love that they had for each other. Um, and you and there were I, I can remember watching this and just being like, no, Jimmy Hoffa, calm down, Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> like <laughs> You're going to get whacked, bro. Like chill out. Like he just goes all out, you know? That's who Jimmy Hoffa was, right? Um, yeah. But it was, I really, I don't I don't have, besides the, uh, like I said, besides the de-aging, I have very little negative to say about this. I think that this is high quality filmmaking, acting, everything was just spot on with this. And, and it could even be lower than a thousand or higher, whichever way you say it. Right. And, you know, it was, Nominated for 10 Academy Awards, um, Best Picture, Best Director, Pacino and Pesci for supporting roles, but De Niro did not get uh, nominated, which is, which is interesting. So just a little tidbit there. Um, hey, it won uh, the Sonny Bono Visionary Award, what? Palm Springs International Film Festival. What? Yeah. Oh well, that I'm sorry. Anything I said about the de aging, throw it out the window. If it won, <laughs> <laughs> it won that but, award. I, I I stand corrected. Yeah, you should stand corrected, my friend. So, so yeah, the Irishman coming in at one thousand. Um, good. I think it's a good choice there to kick it off. I like it, baby. All right, let's move on to number nine ninety nine. What do you think about that, Axel? Number 999, baby. Hit me with it. So this this movie came out in 1990. Uh, I saw it on home video. I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it in the theater. Okay, you saw it in the theater. Yep. Uh, It's a film. A man in a legal but hurtful business needs an escort for some social events and hires a beautiful prostitute he meets only to fall in love. Mm -hmm. So... Not your typical Heath solo movie per se. <laughs> there are some romantic comedies on this list. It's Pretty Woman, uh, Richard Gere, Julia Roberts, Jason Alexander, Laura Sangiacoma. What happened to her? Oh um, God, she was something else. And you know, you had Larry Hankin as the landlord, big character actor. Uh, you've mm-hmm. seen him in tons of things. Hank Azaria has got a plays a detective, but this film. It just really. Oh, by the way, she's on NCIS. Who? Oh, is she? Which one, though? Oh, really? The the original. Yeah. That's what happened to her. 
Oh, that's what happened. Or okay, great. Um, Gary Marshall directed it, written by J.F. Law, and I played softball with Gary Marshall back in the day. Nice. One time. Holy shit! It was pretty fun. He yeah, he came dressed in a uniform and everything. A uh, funny guy. It was good to. I'm glad I was able to meet me? him before he my passed. God, yeah, he is one of the greatest yeah. ever. Yeah, I mean, but this this film it was great when I saw it. It's stood the test of time. This is what basically made Julia Roberts a household name. This was yes. her big breakthrough yeah. to superstardom. Um, it's a it's a great tale. It, it, I, I you know of course I love the when she goes to shop and you know they they kind of treat her like crap and then she comes back later and 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 gives them the business like he had moments like that. I mean it just really was you know I, I don't gonna say a cute film because she was playing an escort, but it had, it just had so much heart to it. And uh, I took my wife, my wife's a big fan of this film. And I, for um, her birthday last year, I took her to pretty woman, the musical. It was doing a run here uh, at the Pantages in uh, Hollywood. So we were able to see that. And of course uh, that was good. Um, Not as good as the movie, but the cast was very good. And, uh, but yeah, I just this movie, I just, you know, I just dug and, you know, it's just, it, it's a good movie to watch every now and then and be like, oh yeah, pretty woman. If it's on, I'll just, yeah. you know, get some laughs and, uh, it's a, it's a, I was saying cute again. Why am I going to, I'm not going to say cute. It's of a different era solo. You know what I mean? It is really yeah. that kind of, um, sex comedy that they don't really, I actually, I should I guess that Jennifer um, Lawrence movie that just came out where she's hired to have sex with the kid or something, that's that that's the most recent kind of sexcapade, sex comedy. But these were really right. popular, and this came out in 1990, right? So things were just kind yeah. of changing. Cinema was changing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does, you know, when you think of it in today's terms, obviously you see it through a different light. But in reality, I think it actually takes her being an escort as something that is her decision, right? Like, yes, she wants to have this kind, you know, it is a typical man rescues woman story. But in that respect, she seems to be doing her own thing. She's like an independent woman. Like she doesn't, I think if I remember it correctly, she doesn't expect to fall in love either. Like she doesn't trust him. A lot of people see it through his eyes. He's doing it about right. So I think right. and Julia Roberts, her owning that is, I think what helped her become a star besides the fact that she is a, a goddess that walks among men. And now I can tell you my, uh, once again, my Julia Roberts story. Oh, I like it. So it's about like seven, seven thirty in the morning it's New York. It's about, um, I think it was like late October, early November. I'm walking from my. You're walking here? I'm walking here. I'm walking here. I'm, I was walking from my ex girlfriend's apartment to the, uh, to the path. And I can't remember exactly where I was, but it was like a typical, like, smoke coming up the grates from the street. You know what I'm saying? Like early morning on New York. And I turned down a street 
and it's like totally empty, which can happen in the morning. And it's kind of always eerie when that happens. And I look down the street and I see like the heavens open and I see a woman and I can't even believe I can see her from this far away. And I'm like, oh my God, look at the way she's walking. Like it was just like pure confidence and and I'm like, holy shit. And like, as she gets closer, I'm getting like nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like this woman is like, I'm like, holy is she shit. Pretty, she was a pretty woman. So, huh? but it's not just, <laughs> oh, I could see, cause she had sunglasses on everything, but she was tall and just dressed perfectly. And I was like, am I walking into a movie? And the closer I get, I realize it's fucking Julia Roberts and she's just walking right by it's it's just me and her at 7 30 in the morning and she is dressed like she's about to fucking walk into a movie and i'm just like schlubbing along with like a backpack or something, you know? <laughs> and i'm getting i'm like so nervous i'm like i i'm like telling myself don't say anything just keep your eyes forward and keep what like i was almost stumbling fumbling and then she just walked and i don't even know if i looked back and I was just like, holy shit. Like I've met a, a lot of famous people and been around a lot of stars and shit. And a lot of times they're just regular people. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes you're like, oh my God, you can tell. True movie star. Yes. You know, like this person, if she had not have been, a, if she was not a movie star, she would have been super successful at whatever. She just had a presence about her mm, that yep. was and, and like I said, I recognized this before I even noticed it was Julia Roberts. Like, right, right. I would have remembered this moment if it turned out to just be some regular lady. You know what I'm saying? I would have been sure, like, wow, sure. remember that time that lady walked by me? But no, it was Julia Roberts. But you know she, what you should have said? You know what you should have said, Axel? What, the film list? <laughs> no, no, no. You should have said. It's pre-film list. No, you should have said. Say hi to Eric for me. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to Eric. Uh, this what, what year was this? This was like nineteen. This was like nineteen ninety. No, two thousand. It was like about two thousand. Oh, the year. Oh, when you. Oh, yeah, your story. When I yeah. saw it, yeah, it was yeah. pre nine eleven. Um, mm. but also Richard Gere. Remember what a star Richard Gere was back. In, I mean, what a career. Richard Gere. Yeah, always and, like Richard. And to be Gere. honest, I remember. I remember. Yeah, because you had Richard Gere, Officer Gentleman, America. American Gigolo, yeah. but and then and then it, but this he had never really done a film like this, and this basically set up his next part of his career of doing romantic comedies and doing different, you know, I mean, Runaway Bride they re, they reunited in and they really tried to capitalize on that. But I remember my dad wasn't a Richard Gere fan, saw this movie, and he goes, you know what, I kind of like Richard Gere now. Yeah, you you're, know, you're right. Because Solo, it, look at this is his movies before this movie. Internal mm -hmm. Affairs, Miles from Home, No Mercy, Power, King David, The Cotton Club, Beyond the Limit, Breathless, An Officer and a Gentleman. You're right. They're, those are not romantic comedies. Not at all. Um, and, and he would go on to like, it was a career change for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he was really good in it. And it, it, it made audiences want to see more of this side of Richard Gere. Uh, and, and, you know, and he would do a mixture of different you know, movies later on, but he, you know, it, it really clicked. And, and that's one of the things about uh, movies like this and careers, you know, who knows if Richard Gere was even like the first choice, probably not, 
spot mm. with some convincing. Because a lot of times they won't cast you if you've never done a role like that before. And they took a chance and it freaking worked great. It was yeah. the perfect, perfect character for him to play. And, you know, because just, you know, he's a business guy and he's just kind of doing his thing. And it's like, I'll pay you for this. Pay. And then the relationship evolves in, in life and you realize, wait a minute, maybe this is missing in my life. And just two humans connect. Um, Julia Roberts was nominated for an Academy Award. She did not win, but she uh, she got nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role. And this just set off, because prior to this, what was it, Mystic Pizza and uh, oh, Julia? And, and you know, it was just kind of the yeah. start. I remember watching Mystic Pizza and like, holy cow, who is that? And I mean, and Julia's smile. I mean, that smile just, I mean, captures a nation. She's got a big <laughs> old know? face, that Julia Roberts, man. She's got a big yeah, old she's face. She's fantastic. Love Julia Roberts. So, yeah, number 999, Pretty Woman. Originally, working title was 3000, right? Isn't that the, I think that was the, uh, I don't fucking know. The original working title. <laughs> well, I do. I just said it. Okay. So, speaking of I don't fucking know, uh, number 998 is a film I believe you'll have a lot to say or oh. nothing to say. Yes, baby. Okay. So, this film is more of a, you know, smaller, independent-ish film uh came out in 2011 and i saw it at home dvd probably a probably got a netflix disc in the mail um or i might have bought it because i heard it was great i can't remember but anyway uh it's a film on the night of the discovery of duplicate earth in the solar system an ambitious young student and an accomplished composer cross paths in a tragic accident the film another earth directed by mike cahill Britt martling and mike cahill co-wrote stars Britt martling martling marling william mapather who i did the atticus institute movie with um tom cruise's cousin uh matthew lee erlbach as alex you had a little megan lennon in here you had a um, let's see. Yeah, Natalie Carter play the career counselor. I mean, what an interesting film. I, I kind of when I watched this, I thought of your one of your favorite films of all time, Primer. Yes. In that this film doesn't just blatantly give you the answers and it's just a simple linear film. It really goes into the depths of the psyche of of of, of of humans and, and, and this concept of there's like another earth that's yeah. right there in, you know, in the ethos. And you're like thinking, you know, I, 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 am I, am I on that earth? Is there a duplicate of me? It's just, and this was, you know, the beginning where Brit Martling, no one know Brit Marling was. And then she became a huge success story. I believe this one Sundance, uh, that year. Yep. Uh, but visually, creatively, this film is fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I have it here at number 998. Yeah. Another Earth, which, yes, like like you said, kind of introduced the world to Britt Marling, who to me is just an amazing talent. She is so creative. And the type of sci-fi, you know, uh, the OA later, 
the sound of my voice mm-hmm. after this. Um, she's just fantastic. There, actually, she's coming out with a a TV series with because she teamed up with this dude who directed. Um, I'm sw- I'm flipping around on IMDb as we're talking. Um, but Mike Cahill, after this, he did his thing, and she and she kind of uh, her partnership with what's his name Zach it's it's a hard name to pronounce uh, here let me try to let me try to pronounce it correctly but the guy that she created the OA with and um uh and did the sound of my voice with Zaj ba- uh, I don't know if you can see this solo Oh I can it, see it <laughs> whether I can pronounce it or not I don't you're know not going to try to pronounce it okay let's see Zal yeah, no, no, Batmanlige Zal Batmanlige okay if I'm pronouncing it anyway what creative people they're coming out with another thing called the uh, murder mystery at the end of the world that's um I Ooh. think yeah that's coming out on I don't remember what that's coming out on I think it might be Amazon but it's I think it got pushed um, yeah, I think it got pushed a murder at the end of the world. It is complete. It is completed, but I don't, I'm trying to look where, where it's coming out on. Uh, I don't, the original show title. No, I don't say. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe it's Hulu because yeah, it is. It's Hulu. Uh, it's coming out FX November 14th. It did get pushed because I think it was supposed to come out this summer, actually. So it's going to be November 14th of this year. And a lot of that oh, was yeah. actually shot mm-hmm. in New Jersey, but that should be awesome. Yeah, this is great because basically what it. Oh, became, Clive Owens in uh, that murder at the end of the yeah, world. It's got Boy, a great Clive cast. Owen making a comeback. Alice Braga. Yep. Raul Esparza from SVU. All right. I'm yeah, excited. She's in it too. Oh, Chen. Yep. All right. Um, Go ahead, Axel. Harris Dickinson, of course, which I don't know if anybody knows who he is. I don't know. (laughs) Me neither. Angie's uh, granddaughter. But um, this movie really is about loss, right? And it's really about if, if another earth appeared that things had gone differently, what they discover is that the people who had died on the earth did not die on this other earth. But a lot of people who, and vice versa, right? Like some people mm-hmm. didn't have a, a, a duplicate on the other planet because they had died, but they're alive on this earth. So we find people who have the option of seeing people that they lost. And are those people really the same people? And I think that when you take sci-fi to that level, you can get some of the best stuff. It's just like the sound of my voice about like cults and what is real and what belief really is. It's the sound of my voice is actually a little lost. Like, um, that's a fantastic. I haven't seen that yet. I've seen the East. I really liked the East. The East is great too. Yeah. You'll love the sound of my voice, man. It's weird. I do love the sound of your voice. What are you talking about? Do I have podcasts with you? Yeah, it's great. But um, yeah, they've done great stuff, and the OA was fantastic too. I love. I, I haven't the seen OA. the OA. I gotta check that out. So good, yeah. I would suggest yeah. this to anyone. And Britt Marling too is an amazing actress. She very. Is, she's really good. 
She's really, and, and she is also just beautiful and you want to keep looking at her and she knows how to move with her body. I mean, so much of the OA is about like dance and body movement and stuff like that, but she really has a control over herself and her face. And for a little while, if you remember, I don't know if you remember Solo, she got kind of a bit popular and Steven Spielberg was really impressed with her and there all these stories came out and then she ended up starring with she after the sound of my voice she was in one episode of community and then she was with our boy Richard Gere in a movie called Arbitrage Art Arbitrage Yeah, which I a troubled hedge fund magnate desperate to complete his sale of his trading empire makes an error that forces him to turn to an unlikely person. And she has a big part in that. And she was kind of like, an, like maybe she's going to be like kind of like an it girl. She got a lot of there were rumors that Spielberg was casting her. I can't remember what that was. A, that was about oh. 10 years ago. I can't remember what movie Spielberg was doing. But um, um, Amistad too. Yeah, Hamist. Yeah, no, but then no. she was in the company you keep with uh, Robert Redford and uh, and Shia LaBeouf. So she did a couple movies. She did the Hollywood thing, but then she was like, "Fuck that," and she kind of went back and yeah. did her stuff and didn't become like this. Did she did the East and then a, a bunch of other and smaller films that she continues to do in her own work, which I really respect. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, you could tell, cause wasn't she, she had a total different career. Um, I can't, you know, 20 years ago, I probably could have told you, um, everything. Oh, not 20 years ago. Cause she was, <laughs> I mean like 10 years ago, I could probably, re- cause I was really into another earth, watch the East and was like, Oh, you know, she's going to be huge. But like, she had another career and then wrote, was writing another earth. I mean, teamed up with Mike Cahill and just, yeah, I was like, Whoa, where did she come from? She's just very she smart. At Goldman and had a she was, that's awful. what it was. Yeah. yeah. Goldman Sachs. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's just the story and I got to get back and watch more of her stuff because now that, you know, I'm talking about another earth and it's on the list. Um, I'm like, you know what? I got to get back on that train and check it out some yeah, of these other things, but, uh, yeah, it's just another great story. I mean, this thing swept Sundance and was a huge hit and what's, what's, it's amazing. You work at Goldman Sachs, you co-write a film and you win Sundance. Look at that. You know, it's just pretty amazing, but this is a real, if you have not seen another earth, seriously, check it out. It's, it, it'll make you think and it. You'll feel a lot of emotions and you'll really be like, holy crap. What if, Right. What if, baby? Yeah, it's a great. And, 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 um, our man, William Mopather is really good in it. He's really good too. Mopather. Isn't that how, how huh? do you pronounce it? Mapather. Mapather. Oh, I like to say Mopather. Come on. Man. Yeah. Mopather. <laughs> that sounds, yeah, like, no, he's really that's, good. That's a, like, like a comic and coming to the stage oh. now, Mopather. Hey, Mopather. Love your <laughs> work. Saw, saw you in the bar in uh, 
Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Sheboygan. Freaking awesome. Oh, this next one is, ooh, this is quite a ooh, movie. Talk solo. about, talk about going from one extreme, mm-hmm. from Pretty Woman to another Earth. To, this film came out in 2003. That's coming in at number 997. Extraordinary film. It has one of the best performances by an actress to date that I believe. Um, the film's called Monster. Oh, yeah. Based on the life of Eileen Warnos, a Daytona Beach prostitute who becomes a serial killer. Stars Charlize Theron as Eileen, Christina Ricci as Selby, Bruce Dern, Lee Turgenson, Pruitt Taylor Vince is in this film. You have uh, Caitlin Riley as teenage Eileen, uh, T. Robert Pigott as bartender, directed by Patty Jenkins, mm-hmm. who also wrote it, famous for her directing of Wonder Woman, of course, but she did uh, some great films in her career. And Charlie Theron, I mean, she she changed her look. I mean, she looked just like Eileen in real life. And I, I've seen the docs, like the one doc Nick Broomfield did about Eileen Warnos. And just, I was just so obsessed with this story and, and the way Charlize Theron brought it to life, the character to the silver screen, uh, my jaw just dropped. I was like, holy, cause I mean, you think Charlize Theron, like I saw her on the set when I worked on this film shade and one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen and just, you know, followed her career since that thing you do. And as she. And I just was just like, oh my God, she's awesome. And then for her to transform into this and give that performance, she won the Oscar well, well, more than well-deserved. But this film, and even Christina Ricci, she's fantastic in it. Uh, She really is something else. And it just, this film hit me over the head. And then I got a little obsessed with this Eileen Warno story and her being on death row and all that stuff. And, but I, I thought Patty Jenkins hit it out of the park. This film, you know, it's not one you can watch all the time, maybe yeah. once every five or six years, <laughs> but it, yeah. it comes in at nine ninety seven Cause it, at the time when I saw it in the theater, it just, it, it blew me away. Oh, maybe once every five or six lifetimes. On this right. One maybe solo. that. Yeah. 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 Um, you're probably right. What an amazing film really, uh, from top to bottom, Christina Ricci too. Um, what an amazing story, just a woman who's so beaten down and just like a animal in the corner that thinks everything coming towards it is going to hurt it. So it hurts first. Right. Right. And that is what it, it is such a story of abuse and an allegory, I think, for many women in America, in small towns, in industry, um, just the assumption that the man is going to hurt you because it's happened so many times and to the point at which she then seeks out to murder, right? Right. Whether right. Or not, That's what it evolves into. But that's always the question, right? Because for me, mm-hmm. was she really a serial killer? I don't know. You know what I mean? And I think the film in itself, too, 
kind of frames this in a different way. It's not BTK, right? It's not your typical mine hunter, um, uh, you know, compulsion, compulsiveness. It's like comes from a different place of fear and hurt and abuse, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is at the same time this came out, a lot of people found out about, and I can't remember if I had known this story or not, that actually Charlize Theron's mom killed her dad in front of her. The, the dad came home drunk and was and shot through a oh door God. that they were hiding behind. And then her mom picked up a gun and shot back and killed her dad through the door. And when they opened the door, the dad was dead. And the mom was never charged because they could prove that he shot through the door, right? Right, and right. She was, so I think she talked a bit about that too. So there was obviously abuse that she and her mother had gone through at the hands of her father. Um, the mm. transformation she underwent, the way that yeah. they shot it, it was very gritty, a lot of handheld, uh, just like, you know, you think about, they used a lot of the kind of dr- sun-drenched, blown out stuff, you know, like it really looked. By the end of it, when they're doing spoiler alerts, but when, you know, there's kind of like the bust is on to get her, it's so, you're you're just like, you just want it to end like it's, you know what right. I mean? Like you can feel that she wanted, wants it to end too. Um, so I know at the time too, there was some complaints that people were saying it was too empathetic towards her. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that's what filmmaking is about to be an artist. You have to empathize even with a monster, you know, which is literally the yeah. name of the movie, right? Because she right. becomes a monster from all these monsters. So a very complex film, amazing. The performance of her career, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, you bring up a, a, an interesting point, whether, you know, whether or not she's a serial killer or not. And I think technically she is, but it's not your it's not your normal serial killer, <laughs> like, yeah. which uh, serial killers aren't normal, but because you see how it evolved, how, why she was killing men versus someone who's just a psychopath and just wants to, you know, masturbate with corpses or what, you, you know what I mean? It just, it comes from a different place mm. now. Always got to talk about it. masturbating with corpses on the film list, yeah, solo, I know. don't you? I know. Well, yeah. Oh. Well, you know, it's the it's the reboot. It's, it's the, the rebirth. Reboot. You gotta, of, of, don't call it a comeback. It, you know. Hey, I've been here for years. Masturbating uh, but with it, corpses. It, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not justifying what she did, but there, I'm glad they showed that side because you know whether it's true or not. I mean, it is a fictional film based yeah, on yep. a true story but it gave a different perspective it wasn't like we were showing btk and you know you, you know that would be like total fictional probably but this comes from really i mean think about her lifestyle had she had a little more money and wasn't you know you know in a different situation i don't think she all of a sudden be, will still become a serial killer like i think this is literally um 
the, the what she what life she had yeah. and how it turned that way now you know and where it went wrong mentally for her you could question that yep. but it sure it was a perfect recipe trigger. like you're saying it was so many recipe, different yes. things that came together different factors yeah that turned yeah. her into this but also gave her the kind of job where right like she was trucking and she could pick up got you know be exposed to this world and like and a lot of the choices she made too it's just oh man it's one of those movies that it just makes your skin crawl thinking about it you know yeah and i mean my screen my skin's crawling right now <laughs> it felt in many ways to me too one of the things i really appreciated is coming out in 2003 felt a little bit like a throwback it had like that 70s 80s gritty yes. vibe to it Yes, it did. Yes, and, it did. And they shot, you know, like it looked to me like they used a lot of locations or roughed places up instead of going into a, you know, a fucking studio or something, you know, and trying to recreate it from the ground up. You got to sometimes that grime, it's right there at the local bar. You know what I mean? You just got to blow out yeah, a wall and pay it needed for it. it. Yeah. This film doesn't work if it's more like, and, and that's one of the, it's great that you bring that up with the locations because this is the problem where a lot of movies like versus a movie like this. I mean, of course the writing and everything in the bigger budget, they, they can benefit from, but like a lifetime movie that's shot on sets. Very, you know, it, it feels very cheap. Yeah. Um, not all lifetime movies, but you know what I mean? Like if they did monster on lifetime, it would have had a total different feel. It would have been more, I don't know, probably, you know, wouldn't have been a shot as well. It would have been more on sets, probably more indoors. It just wouldn't have had the same feel where, you know, having, you know, a Charlize Theron and a Patty Jenkins attached and to be able to go on location and to really have, you know, the time and, and the wherewithal to go gritty and change and not just do a simple film on sets and make it look as best as you can. And, and that's, you know, the seventies, the nineties, some films in the eighties where it just, that's one of the reasons why film changed for me was, you know, on location and the grittiness and the dialogue changing. And it's not just, she's a good kid. She, you know, it, it, it really, um, ah, it just, it just hit me hard. And, and, and this film still affects me to this day because, I am no. I'm just kidding. I, I was going to make a joke, but I decided <laughs> against it with the reboot. Not to make a joke. Terrible, terrible solo. All right, terrible. You know what? That's terrible. Let's what? Let's move on to a to a film that I've only seen once. And when you when it was on the list, I said, "Have I seen this film?" And then I re- I said, "Of course, yeah, I remember." This was what a beautiful film, and I'm glad that you included this on your list solo. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this next film at 996, beautiful film. It, it's totally like, I mean, you, you're going down this list and we, you know, we have a, a mob film, a romantic comedy, uh, psychological sci-fi, a serial killer. And now we get, you know, a slice of life of a, a film that my cousin Kevin said, you've got to see this. And I think I, I, I think I went into the theater and saw it, or I might have watched it at home, but I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater. Uh, it's one of the few films I don't remember. Yeah, I think I did, I did see it in the theater. It came out in 2002. It's a, it, it's a film called In America. 
a family of Irish immigrants adjust to life on the mean streets of Hell's Kitchen while also grieving the death of a child. Written and directed by Jim Sheridan and actually Naomi and, and Kirsten Sheridan also co-wrote. Patty Constantine, Samantha Morton, Jimon Huntsu, uh, and the kids, uh, Emma Bolger and Sarah Bolger play sisters, and they're unbelievable. This film has so much heart, and I talk about you know certain films that just don't carry the weight. It feels so real. It's about this family. They come to Hell's Kitchen. They don't have a pot to piss in. Uh, Patty Constantine plays John. He's trying to be an actor and trying to raise a family, and they're living in this shithole of an apartment building, and they don't ha- they don't have a lot of money, and they're just trying to make it in America. And the act, I mean, the kids. I, one of the kids sings "Desperado" by the Eagles. I think, believe that, like a talent show, and it freaking brings me to tears every time. It's just the perfect point of the movie where they're going through this struggles. And then you have, you know, a young girl just singing a heartfelt song and it just gives you time to kind of be like, wow, this journey we're going through, I'm breaking down over here. It just hit me so hard. I remember going to a bar after and just playing it on the jukebox and sitting there with a drink and just sinking the song and the movie in. Um, Jimon Honsu is fantastic in this film. I mean, he's such a great actor, but the relationship he has with the kids and the dynamic of they're so afraid of him. And then they open up to him and, and, and the dynamic of what's happening. Uh, this film, if you haven't seen it again, I'm going to be saying this a lot on the rebirth, the reboot of the film list. You have to watch this film. It's such a great film. Yeah. And it just, it is so many emotions. And I recently, Watched it again probably a year or two ago um, with my wife who had never seen it. And, it. and it hit her really hard. You know, of course, being an immigrant from the Czech Republic and yeah. kind of, you know, having that open eyes of America is, you know, here, land of opportunity. But it's not always, you don't just get here and you're making money and you're living a great life. You have, yeah. There's struggles, yeah, especially if you've got a, a family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this film reminds me, weirdly enough, Solo, and I think you'll get it when I say it, it reminds me of Forrest Gump. And I'll, I'll tell you why, because I feel like it really captures a time in America and a time in New York, and mm-hmm. it it also... Um, it's, it's, like what, it's like those dramas... I guess you'd almost call it a historical drama in a sense, right? Because it uses their journey to tell a story of immigrants, of America, of disenfranchised people, AIDS, New York City, right? right? Like um, coming of age, they live in a very like lower class area, not a lot of money. They a lot of desperate people, crime, and and kind of um people on the fringes of even New York, right? And you see it through the eyes of the kids. Um it's it's really it's a really amazing film. It's a it's deeply written, right? It's like a it's like a novel. Mm-hmm. Uh right. Excuse me. And it, it just it touches on so much stuff. What a weird career though when I look at um Jim Sheridan's career, 
right? Because he's fam- most famously known for my left foot and in the name of the father, right? Right. A couple the, Daniel Day Lewis. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Right. Then he did the boxer. Okay. Again, oh, another Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Right. Like the trifecta. And you're like, oh my God, this guy is set for an amazing career. This Jim Sheridan. What is he going to do next after he does the boxer? Then in America, what is he going to follow it up with? Get rich or die trying. <laughs> the 50 cent biopic is what he followed that up with. That's Jesus. why it's always interesting to watch what Hollywood, what commercial is does to certain artists. Now he, right. came, he tried to come back in 2009 with a movie. I remember that was widely panned, but some people liked it called brothers where, Toby oh, with Mark Wahlberg? No, oh, that's four no, brothers. No, no brothers. Four. Toby McGuire. That's right. Yeah, where he goes off Jim to Jim Afghanistan Long. and he thinks he's dead, and then he gets with his girl, with his best friend's girlfriend. Right? It's like right. Jill and Hall and Toby McGuire and, and that. Natalie Natalie Portman. Yeah. Exactly. Which eh, okay. So you're trying. Yeah, you're it was tr- all right. Yeah, it was all right. But then since then. He really has done a lot of producing documentaries. It's almost kind of like he was like, like a lot, like happens to a lot of pe- a lot of directors. He's just kind of like, hey, you know, and just try to right. do my thing. Did a, did another actually executive produced a bunch of stuff and then did a, a movie called The Secret Scripture in 2016, and uh, it looks like he's got a couple of um, TV series and and different things um in development or in production but that's imdb but just interesting to see because you'd think after that career this guy is headed for the hall of fame you know what i'm saying this is like this is like three seasons of uh catching uh, 1200 yards 20 touchdowns on the couch podcast listen this week we're gonna be doing our picks for you the know, new season working but, with Daniel yeah, no. Day Lewis and you're it's like Scorsese I mean, and Pacino and the next thing you know you're doing get rich or die trying wow yeah that that you know I'm glad you brought that up that's very interesting Axel it's weird um you know uh, uh, yeah it just you know maybe he just you know the emotion of all the four, those four films he did in, up to in America. Yeah, Maybe he just was like, you know what? I need to I need to just do something more, you know, not well, so close to home. Yes, agree. And also he it, he was he was for two decades or more a very famous theater director. So I think he went back to theater okay. too. He did a lot of theater. That makes a lot of sense. Um, that makes a lot of but sense. But it's just interesting uh, when you look at people's IMDBs, you can kind of see like, you know, where yeah, it and, starts changing. Um, Samantha Morton was nominated for Best Actress oh, in a Leading Role in the Academy Awards. Uh, Jimon Honsu, Best Supporting Actor. And then Jim Sheridan for writing original screenplay. Um was also nominated. Mm. Um, did, I don't think he won. I think this did was he won? The, uh, I don't know, but I think this was the movie that gave me my fetish for women shaving their head. Because right. <laughs> I think it she was has the like, Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, she has really short Biopic. hair in it. Well, you know what? It might. Did it win? Because it's saying Oscar. Usually, it says nominated. 
Did, I wouldn't be surprised. This win. was a this was a critical darling, man. This was a big this yeah. was a hit with the critics. I guess they want I I'm I'm thinking they won. Um no. Uh, uh no, that was the year uh uh Charlie Theron won. Hey, how oh, funny is that? Oh, interesting. Back to back. Yo, know, it was just not they were just nominated. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Charlie Theron and Sean Penn won that year for, um, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So it, the, the, the one scene that always, uh, I always remember that still to this day, when I rewatched it, I forgot what had happened and I was freaking wigging out, <laughs> but it's when they're at the carnival and, He's, I believe it's the ball and he's knocking balls down or whatever. And it's like, you bet, say you put in 10 bucks and then you can double up and do it again and again. And he gets to the point where they're getting into the rent money and he's, she's like, I can do it. I can do it. And and it's just like, it's one of those scenes where it's like the desperation, but his male bravado, everyone's watching and he just keeps going and going. And, And it just, that scene gets me every time too i'm like oh my god you know what if they lose all this money you know yeah so all right we we got some time for a couple more films yeah let's do like two more all right we'll do two more and then we'll call it a day there okay next coming in at 995 is more of a you know it's funny the eclectic of this list the collectiveness it's more of a, you know, a Hollywood bigger budget film. Uh, but it, I thought the acting was fantastic. And there's a scene at the end of the movie that gets me every time, but it had me at the edge of my seat. Uh, came out in 2013, saw this in the theater. Uh, the film is called Captain Phillips. The true story of Captain Richard Phillips in the 2009 hijacking by Somali pirates of the U.S. flagged MV Masaryk, Alabama, the first American cargo ship cargo ship to be hijacked in 200 years. Directed by Paul Greengrass, writers Billy Ray, Richard Phillips, Stephen Talty, stars Sir Tom Billy Ray, stars uh, Sir Timothy Hanks as Captain Richard Phillips. <laughs> oh, Timothy um, Hanks. Timothy Hanks. Uh, Barkad Abdi as yeah, Muse. Good job. Freaking phenomenal. A little Catherine Keener. Love. Oh, uh, God, big I fan of Catherine it. Keener. Max it. Martini as the SEAL commander. I love Max Martini. Uh, been uh, an actor in so many different things. Uh, plays a badass a lot. I love that dude. Michael Chernus. Um, v- Michael Chernus oh. also. Oh, Michael Chernus in this yeah. film. But what a performance by, uh, well, Tom Hanks. I mean, there's a there there there's a scene at the end of the film when he's getting checked out by the doctors, and he just starts crying, just 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 cries because he's been at the he's pushed to the to to the limit during this whole thing, and he didn't have time to get emotional throughout the whole thing. I mean, he's he's constantly, you know, adrenaline's kicked in and, and everything, and then he has this moment with the nurse checking him out and he just starts crying and it just that single moment is one of one of the biggest moments that has affected me in movie history honestly i mean 
probably I'll, I'll just say a top 100, <laughs> but, but like at that point, when I saw that, I, I started crying with them. I just felt the emotion and that from that, that emotion, like just really brought everything full circle for me of what this guy went through. And it's based on a true story and you know, it's a Hollywood film. So you're thinking, okay, it's going to work out. But Tom Hanks, he's Tom Hanks, one of the greatest actors of all time. He knows how to just bring that emotion out of you. He knows how to make characters come to life and be real. As we know, we've seen him in so many films. And it's why he's one of the greatest ever. Uh, and I always go on these journeys with Tom Hanks, you know, Saving Private Ryan. And I just feel so comfortable with Tom Hanks. He just... Ever since bosom buddies and family ties to man with one red shoe to big to the burbs to Philadelphia because you were bruised and battered. Mm. Um, I mean, it's just Tom Hanks. He's, you know, one of the last big movie stars uh, of for decades. I mean, when you see Tom Hanks, as you were talking about Julia Roberts, Tom Hanks, I, I've seen I've seen and met a ton of movie stars and celebrities in my day and worked with a lot, you know, a bunch, a handful of them, but Tom Hanks would be a tough one for me not to be like, Holy crap. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, he, he's, he's an icon. Um, it was nominated for best picture of the year. Um, Barkhad Abdi for supporting role. I mean, he, he was fantastic. Um, editing, sound editing and sound mixing, uh, were nominated as well. Um, and writing adapted screenplay by your boy, Billy Ray, uh, Captain Phillips. What, uh, any thoughts on Captain Phillips from your end? Well, I mean, one of my main thoughts is I am the captain now. <laughs> That's one of my main <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, dude, this was a great movie and it had me on the edge of my seat the whole fucking time. And it was so self-contained and uh, obviously a very simple story. The fucking thing is hijacked. Um, it had... Could have used Idris Elba. What? Uh, you know, <laughs> Tom could have used Idris. That's true. He could have. He definitely could have. Um, yeah, anyone who hasn't seen Hijack, you got to see that. Um, it was... Apple TV. If you remember, this was like... People were worried about hijackings on the, you know, the open... the. I like the way that they showed what was happening on land, you know, with the hijackers and kind of gave them was empathetic towards them and what was going on, but also they were the bad guys, right? Like they were hurting people. Um, right. It was, yeah, it was just, you know, it, 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 it does fall in like the line of, Tom Hanks playing, you know, it was like Sully, captain of this, right? Like he is just playing like a lot of like things would happen in the world. And then he, yeah, would, I didn't like know. Sully as much. Yeah, it wasn't too, you know, yeah. it was like, it was like, okay, Tom, let's do something. You I know, just fast forwarded to the things. crash, honestly. <laughs> I, just, I, <laughs> I think I watched the first 10 minutes of it and I was like, yeah, I don't really give a fuck. And then I just, it, 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 like the crash happened. And, and then I was like, right, okay, that's right. cool. Um, but all in all, I dug it. I dug it. And yeah, I've actually seen um, uh, Abdi in a bunch of things since. 
And I think there's so, uh, some other people who are in that movie too, because they, they kind of cast, they try to cast realistically and I guess locally. And um, that's kind of cool that they did that, you know, and could bring some people up. All in all, yeah, and a lot of like um, a lot of guys with hard faces that you've seen in like right. a lot of other shows, TV shows and movies are in this, mm-hmm. and it's a, and of and of course it's Paul Greengrass who loves to do shit like this. United ninety three oh, yeah. and twenty two July, like he loves to do like a kind of a realistic. Uh, uh, did Greengrass do? I know he did a Green Zone with Matt Damon. Did he do yeah. a Born movie? Yes, or am I just Bourne thinking Ultimatum. the green zone could have been, Oh, he did do the ball born. He Ultimate. sure That's did. Right. Yeah. Actually the last thing he directed was, um, news of the world with Tom Hanks. Yes. News of the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad. Uh, you know, I had some I good moments. I did not see but... that. I did not see that, but I did see most everything else. Yeah. He did the born supremacy and the born ultimatum. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. I thought yep. so. Cause that's why when, when they did the green zone, I'm like, can't you just name it Jason Bourne? <laughs> but it was just, you know, they wanted to work together. If you remember famously, one little um, TV crossover is that the the film crew used to shoot United 93, he got from The Shield because he loved the way they shot That's The Shield. Right. So he hired See, the whole crew of The Shield to shoot United 93. That's right. Didn't didn't Frank Darabont do that with the mist or something uh, he, too? I, he may have it's, the walking it's dead. Possible. I think crew or something. I, I, I want to say that, but see, this is why Axel, I just got to say real quick why doing the filmless in the past by myself, it's tough. That's why I went to a point where I was playing trailers and just making comments and whatever, but having you on, you, you bring so much oh, of your nice, memory pal. I and try. so much of your knowledge, and I love getting your feedback. That's why back in the day when I would do the film list with Matt Murdock, uh, with Mr. Bill, I l- Donald, I would love to have people come on and give their thoughts on these films. Because, you know, I can say, I love it. It's great. You know, a lot of, a lot of times people are sick of hearing me, I'm sure. just So it's nice. Like, you just you bring up so much amazing stuff that's why i'm so excited about this reboot and this uh we're getting into it and that's why i can't wait for others to comment and bring little anecdotes and different things and you bring up stuff in the past and the new like stuff i forget about like that him using the crew you know it's just like i love this and this is what gets me excited for film again yeah baby all right Let's do it. So let's let's move to 994, which will be our last for the pod. Um, it, you know, I, I realized I didn't do this on purpose, but these collection of films to start off have been really like interesting and a, like a good smorgasbord to talk about. So this one is more of a, a no-name uh, indie from an amazing director. He tends to Maybe do a bigger budget one and then do one for himself. It's it's only 77 minutes. Um, it came in, out in 2009, and I watched this film at home, uh, DVD or whatever, rental. Uh, it's called The Girlfriend Experience. It's since spawned a series directed by Steven Soderbergh, r- writers David 
uh, Levian and Brian Koppelman. Yep. The, uh, billion, stars the Billions former, guys. Yep. Yep. It stars former porn star Sasha Gray, uh, Chris Santos, uh, Ron Steen plays Vegas buddy number one, and Peter Zizzo plays Zizzo, plays himself. Uh, it, you know, it's an unnamed cast, uh, unknowns rather, uh, but it was shot in such a way. Ah, it just it interests me, and it really like I, I I was sucked in, and when it was over, I was like, "Holy crap!" And then I'm like, "Oh shit, Soderbergh! That's right, you directed it." You know, like it's one of those things where you get lost in the world, and I know I'm watching a Steven Soderbergh movie, but then I'm like, "Wow, he really his artistic ways and and how he just." you know, does things. I'm just like, God, he took it to an, another level. And, uh, you know, so it's a drama set in the days leading up to the 2008 presidential election and set it on a high end Manhattan call girl meeting the challenges of her boyfriend, her clients and her work. Axel, I'm assuming you've seen this movie. You want to know something solo? I have never seen the girlfriend experience. Oh, yeah. The first one. This is the first okay. one you got me. I have not seen this film. Um, I've seen clips of it. I've read about it. I was interested mm -hmm. in the film when it came out and was being made. Sasha Gray at the time was a pretty popular porn star. Right. And this was Soderbergh kind of mixing, I guess, his um, late night porn hub um, <laughs> obsessions <laughs> with making a kind of off the cuff iPhone shot like it wasn't shot in an iPhone, but it kind of predates his like, let's shoot the movie on an iPhone experiments. Right. Soderbergh right. is totally interesting to me. He is such a fascinating guy. And we, of course, remember that Sex, Lies, and Videotape was the film that put him on, um, uh, what do they call it? You know, The map? The map, yes. Thank you, Solo. <laughs> Thank you. That put him on the map. I mean, I heard about that in News of the World. I was um, reading the news. Exactly. There you go. Tomothy Hanks told you about it. <laughs> Sir um, Tomothy. <laughs> Sir, excuse me. All right. The Royal CBE Tomothy Hanks. I have to say real quick why I call him Sir Timothy Hank. So uh, as you've heard on a film list for the loyal listeners back in the day, um, we played this game, but it, it's, it's, it's a movie game. We used to play at the bar where, you know, you put out a movie and you say news of the world. Then the next person will say Rita Wilson. Then you got to name a Rita Wilson movie. And then you keep going until someone stumbles and then you get a letter. And once you spell movie, you're out. And uh, with Glenn and the boys and everything. And so it just came up, Sir Timothy Hanks. <laughs> like, it just came up. And it just became Sir Timothy Hanks for the rest of the... Uh, I love it. You know, the days. So anyway. I love it. Um, um, anyway, Sir Timothy Hanks uh, helped. <laughs> <laughs> but, we, you know, Soderbergh has always had this interest in, in sex and sex work and uh, sexuality. And... Um, he's explored it in different films. And this, I think, was kind of an experimentation. Like you say, it's only 77 minutes long. It stars a porn star, kind of no-name uh, actors and actresses. It was shot very, on location on, like, the streets and hotels and stuff, right? I remember famously, mm -hmm. like... 
they were stealing shots in bars and stuff like I remember reading about it. Um, the thing with me with Soderbergh is sometimes I feel like the experiment is um, more interesting than the output. Right. And it not that I I mean, like I said, I haven't seen this film, but having seen almost all of his films, I always appreciate him. I think he's one of the best. He does weird things like recuts and re-edits films and puts them online. Like it's just, you know, he loves film and he loves doing weird shit and experimenting and 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 this was one of those experiments that I think spawned from what I hear, a more successful TV show. Like a lot of people really like that TV show oh, okay. and felt that it was pretty deep and it was, it had something to say. Um, but yeah, maybe one day I will watch this. Well, cause w- real quick about, um, Soderbergh. Uh, so once he did in 98 out of sight with Clooney, uh, he went and then did the liming Aaron Brockovich traffic oceans 11 and then his first real aside from maybe some stuff he did in the 90s but after that all this commercial success remember in two weeks or whatever he shot full frontal you remember that film yes i do have you ever seen it yeah which was so experimental they did it in two to three weeks with no budget and he's got you know now brad pitt making an appearance and he's got the company and all you know and just and then he does Solaris, then K Street, uh, and then Ocean's 12. Then he does Bubble, which I've never seen, but was kind of another low budget in 05. Uh, then he did a short building number seven, then The Good German, then Ocean's 13, Che Part 1, Che Part 2, and then The Girlfriend Experience. So it was almost like he was like, okay, I just did this these epic Che movies and everything. And it's like, let me do something kind of experimental and fun. And, and it's interesting. It's nice. I mean, not many directors have that. A lot of times they need that paycheck. I mean, you, you know, and you get some directors that, you know, don't direct for three or four years or whatever, but Soderbergh is a hardworking guy and he's still doing these experimental films. And that just shows his love of film and which brings us to the film list and our love of film and why we're doing this is because I really love doing lists and I love the doing a countdown and then just getting opinions from people and knowledge and how films affected other people. And so that's why we're going to open up the film list to everyone. And you can come on and say, you want to talk about five of my films with whoever you want. We want to keep that open because I'm excited to hear what other people think about films that I like. And that are my favorites. And I want to thank you, Axel, today for coming on. Uh, and, and real quick to recap, at 1,000 to kick off this brand new film list, HK1K. Uh, number 1,000 was The Irishman. Number 999, Pretty Woman. 998, Another Earth. 997, Monster. 996, In America. 995, Captain Phillips. And 994, The Girlfriend Experience. So we'll start the next pod at 993. And I'll just tease. It's a Brad Pitt movie. And we don't know who's going to be talking about it. Could be us. Could be you. Could be me. Could be Ando. Could be who knows. I'll be in Europe for a month. So I'm hoping that we'll get people to do some film lists while I'm gone. So while I'm overseas, I can listen and see 
what what uh all the fuss is about <laughs> yeah <laughs> any baby. final words from you folo no i you know i just was doing a little while you were talking before i was doing a little deep dive on sasha gray who was the star of that girlfriend experience i didn't realize that she actually retired from porn in like 2011 i think soon after doing this movie um she, yeah, a couple years after. Yeah, a couple years yeah. after. I guess her career. Because she was in Entourage. Yes. I believe she played Vinny yep. Chase's porn girlfriend. She played herself. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. She played herself. <laughs> and um, that's really interesting to me. What what an interesting, I mean, what an interesting career. And uh, now I guess she's like a Twitch streamer. I, the inter- Let me tell you something about the internet solo. Once you start <laughs> reading something, you're like, what happened? Oh, my. And then, <laughs> really? Wait, that was 10 years? I can't believe so much time has gone by. And I know. I, and I can't I believe how much time has gone by on this pod, man. This is a great. This format is awesome. Thank oh, you. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Because it just you just bring up films and you talk about them and you have fun. And uh, we're going to continue doing that tomorrow. I'll be back with um, Ando will be my guest. We may or may not be talking about the justified primeval city primeval finale. If I have seen it by then, if not, we'll be talking about some other stuff, doing a TV catch up. Who knows who else is going to be with me this week? We'll see, baby. I'm going to try to do a podcast every damn day. I'll be here film list or whatever so solo thank you again you're the man we'll be back on thursday talking around the couch doing all our that's going to be a big Big show baby that's going to be a big Big that's going to be my final pod for a month and i'm excited to go in and we do our picks our pre-season picks going into the new year and oh it's just gonna be exciting it's gonna be awesome thanks everyone for listening remember keep subscribed to daily dvr and uh head on over to patreon.com slash dvr become a patron thanks everybody have a great day peace out and we'll see you next time on the film list yeah brought to you by the dvr podcast network.com